Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Uh, welcome to Timberlake. My name is Carlos. I'm one of the leaders here, and uh, it's great to be with you and to bring God's Word. And we're closing up our series, uh, The Full Life, and, and really it's only two weeks, but I, I believe that really came from, from the heart of God for our church in this two-week period. As, as we're planning our weekends, we, we really try to be intentional about what are we going to teach and what is God wanting to do. And, and uh, matter of fact, our executive team, we were out in California at a conference, and, and uh, Pastor Ben was uh, on a little vacation, and he texted us while he was there. He's like, hey guys, I know we plan things out, but I really feel like we're supposed to do this. And you know when the leader says something like that, you just got to rally around it. And we know it's just two weeks, but we felt it was really important. So if you weren't here last week, and if you're watching online, and, and, and you didn't watch last week, I encourage you to go home and watch last week's message. Pastor Ben did a great job of pastoring our church and really kind of setting the foundation of why we believe this is important. Our next series is going to be coming up next week, and it'll go for longer than we normally Go. So we went a two-week ser- uh, series to a longer series, and we're really going to s- jump into God's Word and do a study together, and uh, really going to have a lot of fun with that. But today, we are going to finish the full life. And as you walked in, you got one of these bands, and maybe you didn't get one. I want you on the way out to grab one of these. Just what we want to do is a reminder. A reminder to, to, for yourself that you're made for more than what you currently are doing. Uh, you're made for more when you're, when you're facing a difficult situation. And so I've been wearing mine uh, to remind myself, like, God, you've called me not just to have life, but to have a full life. And so before we jump in, I kind of wanted to tell a quick story about, about my kids, and, because we're going to talk about full vision today. The, so take out your notes, take out your app. A lot of you are starting to use the app for notes. We love that. Uh, but go ahead and take out your notes, and we're going to talk about full vision. The full life has full vision. And, uh, you know, I do have several kids. We have five kids, and uh, people ask me all the time, well, you bring it up all the time. It's, it's my reality. It's, my, it's what I do, everything we decide. I can't even go to the grocery store unless I figure out, can all seven people eat this? You know, and so um, we talk about this all the time. And so I have four of us who wear glasses. I'm a little bit of a cheapskate, and, uh, you know, glasses can be expensive. And uh, so I was holding off, and my daughter came finally one day and said, Dad, I need glasses. I was like, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> Use the old ones. I know they're broken. Just put some tape on it, and, you know, that's just what we do. And, uh, and finally, she took out the laptop and logged into my account and got it all ready for me. She's like, here, just push, put your information in for your credit card. Buy me glasses. Well, guess what happened? I got five pairs of glasses for $90. $90. Now that's, that's in my budget, right? $90 is good. And, and here's, but here's, here's the issue. What if those five glasses cost me $900? The, the issue is not really the glasses. The issue is what price am I willing to pay to have clear vision? Am I willing to pay the price to have full vision, for my kids to have vision. Because you got to know this as a parent. If you are a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt or somebody's boss, if you don't have vision, the people with you can't have clear vision. So as a parent, I had to understand the importance of my kids having vision 
for them to actually have full vision. And I wonder if we sell ourselves short, if we take shortcuts and we're willing to maybe not see clearly, but we miss out on what could be. And I think that's what Pastor Ben's wanting for us as a church, to understand the possibilities of what could happen. So what's our theme verse? John chapter 10, verse 10. So um, let's read it together and then we'll dive into to the context. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And this is Jesus saying, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The, the problem with this verse is not what the verse is saying. It's that sometimes as we read God's word, it's really important to get context. You ever watch a documentary or you watch somebody being interviewed? I love like the show 60 Minutes where they interview people. I, I like I should have been a sociologist if I wasn't a pastor. Maybe I'm part sociologist, part pastor. But I love understanding the dynamic of how they did what they did and why they did what they did and what was that early story. And a lot of times we interview people at the height of their success when really those people want to tell the story of when nobody was looking at them, when their, when their business wasn't making money, when they were in their garage, when they were writing songs that nobody was singing. And that's what context brings. So we can talk about Jesus talking, saying, I want to bring life and life to the fullest, but we have to have the context. So how do we get the context for John 10.10? 10? Go ahead and take out your notes, take out your app, and we're going to go to John chapter 9. And we're going to do today is we're going to do three things. We're going to cover the characters of the story really quick. We're going to cover the context of John chapter 9 and then the construct. What do we learn? What are elements of the story that we can gravitate to and use for our daily spiritual walk in Christ? So number one, the characters. Who are the characters in John chapter 9? And this is a story of Jesus healing the blind man. And the first set of characters are the blind man himself and his family. They're key to the story. We're not going to read the whole story, but I'm going to tell you parts of the story. We're going to read some of the scripture. So the blind man and his family. Number two would be Jesus. Jesus is a key player in the story. And I know that sounds like a given, but ask yourself, as your story is being lived out, is Jesus a key character in your story? Is he a key character in my story? And then number three, we have the religious leaders, and specifically the Pharisees. So the religious leaders are the third party. The fourth party are the disciples of Jesus. And, and, and it's, it's not a crux to the story that the disciples are there, but it's good for us with our biblical knowledge as we grow in our relationship with God. When you read the New Testament and you see that Jesus is, is doing a miracle or he's teaching, for the most part, the disciples of Jesus are with him. That's what makes them disciples. It's only when you see uh, something that says, well, Jesus went away to pray, or he went alone, is it specifically he's by himself. Most of the time, Jesus has his disciples with him. And the fifth set of characters are the blind man's community. The people who know him at his worst and have seen him be healed by Jesus. So these are the characters. So if you're following along, like a lot of people do with this story about how does it reflect on my life, who are the characters of your story? Who are the, who are the characters in your current context? You, husband, wife, roommate, your boss, your kids, your, your parents, who are the characters of your current story? And then the second thing is, what's the context? So what's the context of John chapter 9? What's happening here? Let's go through the chapter as quickly as possible, and what can we walk away? The first thing is the story actually begins in chapter 9 of 
John. Let's get, we're going to read the first three verses. As he, being Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So time out real quick. you got to understand, it's in our nature to want to find the right person to blame for something going wrong. It's in our nature. I mean, we do it. Who's to blame? Who's to blame for our current political situation? Who's to blame because of financial? Who's to blame because of our family? We're always looking for blame. Now imagine biblical times where if you had a child who was born with any kind of disability, less than in that community, people would look at you as, what did you do wrong that God would curse you with a child who is deaf or blind or mute? And so that's why they're asking Jesus this question. What went wrong here that this man was born blind? And Jesus knows our nature. He knows it's, it's part of who we are to want to assign blame. So here's what he says. Neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happens so that the works of God might be, be displayed in him. This whole phrase, this happened, what does that look like for you? What is the this that is happening in your life right now? What is the this that you want to assign blame to somebody? What is the this? Is it your body's, you're fighting off cancer? Or maybe you have a report that you don't know what's going on, but something crazy is going on in your body. Maybe the this is your marriage is falling apart. You can't figure out why. What's happening? Maybe the this is a child you're struggling with your kid for whatever reason. Maybe that this is you have, you're taking care of your parents now. My wife and I are coming into an era where our parents are getting older and we're trying to understand we're having to be kids again. We're having to be children again to serve our parents. What is the, this for you? Yet Jesus says, whatever this is, that God could be glorified in this. Do we ever see our situation as something that God could be glorified through? So, the story begins in chapter 9. The next thing is this. Jesus then healed the blind man. He healed the blind man. He starts in verse 6, and he says this. After saying this, so if you're taking notes, circle this. After saying this, what is he referring to? In verse 5, Jesus tells everybody there, I am the light of the world. He's basically doing the Babe Ruth. He's pointing out the outfield. He's going to swing the bat. He's like, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And then he says, verse 6, after saying this, I'm the light of the world, he spit on the ground. Can you imagine? Like, Jesus is like, I'm here to save you. I'm the light of the world. That's how it went. Who does that? He spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva. Here's, here's a practical question. How much spit do you have to have to actually make some mud? <laughs> Quite a bit. Basically, Jesus hocked a loogie. And some of you are grossed out by that. But that's the light of the world. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He spits on the ground, makes some mud, and put it on the man's eyes. 
Some of you are like, that's unsanitary. Jesus could have been sued for that. And he says, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. And this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. Now, if it were me, I would have been like, wait, what just happened? Why did you spit and put it on my eyes? Are you kidding me? Nobody's here. To, do you not understand I'm blind? How am I supposed to get out? I would have a lot of questions, but the scripture didn't say he had any questions. He was desperate enough in his situation to trust the words of a man he did not know. How desperate are we in our current situation? What are we facing? The third thing is this. Like I just said, the blind man doesn't know Jesus at the time of the story. He has no relationship with who Jesus is. He doesn't know him. And you know what I love about that for our church here at Timberlake? Whether you're watching online or you're at our campus, I love it because that's what our church is about. You don't have to know who Jesus is and have a construct of Jesus to still receive from Jesus. This man didn't know Jesus and Jesus still healed him. He didn't have him make a profession of faith. He didn't make him join a class right away. He says, I'm going to meet you where you are. And then we'll go from there. And you hear say all the time, just start somewhere. But let's go on this journey together. Just start somewhere with your faith. And many of us in the room, we've never made a profession in Jesus Christ. But we're still here because we're taking our next step in our journey. That's where the man was. How do we know that? Because in verse 11, here's what he says. He said, the man they call Jesus. What is he referring to? They were asking him, how, how his, neighbor, his neighbors were like, aren't you the guy who was blind? He was that different that they couldn't recognize him. Aren't you the guy who was blind? And he starts telling the story. And when he introduces Jesus, he says, the man they call Jesus. What does it show? It shows a lack of close relationship. He doesn't know Jesus. I mean, how would you feel if your husband or wife or your boyfriend or your parents are introducing you to somebody and they ask you, oh, what's your wife's name? Oh, her mom calls her blank. What? Oh, this is my husband. His mom calls him. It, just, it shows a lack of close relationship. No, you say their name. He didn't say, oh, Jesus healed me. He said, the one they called Jesus. He had no relationship. And later on, he's getting asked more questions. And verse 25, he gets frustrated a little bit because he doesn't have the answers because he doesn't know Jesus. But here's what he does know. He says this, One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. He doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't have the language. He doesn't have the religious language. He doesn't have the insider language of a church or a synagogue. All he has is what he experienced. The miracle. And I wonder how many of us have really put ourselves in position to truly receive a miracle from God. Because when we do, it marks us. Next thing that happened is, the now healed man is interrogated by the religious leaders. And here's why I really want to teach past the healing part. 
uh, because I've heard this story my whole life. My dad was a pastor. I've heard people preach on this message and the story in John chapter 9. And it's really important. But it only takes 12 verses to give the initial context and the healing. There's 20 more verses that explain what happens after the healing. Why? Because that's how real life works. All of us want a miracle. All of us want a promotion or we need a raise or we need our family to come back together. We're praying for our son or our daughter. We want our marriage to be whole. But, but what happens when that happens? There's still life to live. Life is not a story on the Hallmark Channel. I hate that channel. I really do. I had a lady after church uh, yesterday. She came up to me. She gave me a big hug. And I was like, oh, so sweet. And she goes, I don't like you anymore. I was like, why? She goes, I, that's my favorite channel. You just made fun of it. I said, well, here's the question. Does your, wife, does your husband like the channel? Oh, he hates it too. Oh, there you go. We're good. Why don't I like it? I don't know. Maybe because I'm just a little practical on things. I'm like, that's not how life works. It doesn't end in 90 minutes with everybody getting what they wanted. Now, at Christmas, I can take one movie because I love a good Santa movie. But eventually, all the Santas look the same on that channel. It's the same guy. Why don't I like it? Because I understand as a pastor, as we're diving into people's lives, as I have a life of my own, there is no bow on the end. It's a life that continues. And here you have a man who was marginalized because he was blind. Who now has an opportunity to be part of the larger community through healing. And now he's being interrogated by the religious leaders. And, and I want to stop there really quick because I also want you to understand that a few weeks ago, Pastor Ben did a message, a really good message, uh, talking about those of us who deal with hyper-religiosity or people that have hurt us. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you had parents who raised you a particular way, and it scarred you, and it marked you. That was me. My parents were incredible Christians and loved God, but I hated the people in their church. So I didn't want to go to church. And so Ben did a great message. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. If, you're, if you've been a part of that life growing up, and maybe it keeps you from moving forward in God, how do we deal when people have hurt us through religion? And that's what's happening to this man. He now has vision, and these people are interrogating him. The next point is this. After they interrogate him, he's cast out of the synagogue and embraced by Jesus. And I love this part. I don't know why. It, to me, it really shows the depth of who Jesus is. So Jesus could have healed the man and said, look what I did. Savior of the world, light of the world. I spit in the ground. Look at that. I spit and I healed the guy and a leaf. No. He heals the man. He hears, which means people are talking about it, that he's cast out of the synagogue. And Jesus reinserts himself into the man's story. And he finds him after he's been rejected by religious leaders. See, that's the Jesus I know. The Jesus who's willing to invade your life if you will let him in the door. And he comes back in for the second encounter. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, like what happens when your marriage is whole? Then what? What happens if your body's made whole? Then what? And Jesus understood that even though there was a miracle that took place and now the man can see, it's more than just having vision. It's more than the miracle. 
It's about the miracle of relationship with Jesus Christ. And the last thing that happens is this. Jesus teaches on physical and spiritual blindness. So we'll read from verse 39 to verse 41. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. So some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, Wait, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, you can see your guilt remains. What does that mean in layman's everyday terms? It means if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know Jesus. And you've come to the right place. Just to endeavor on a journey of your faith. The kicker is, if we say we know Jesus, and we say we have life in Jesus... Do we have a full life in Jesus? Because if we choose to not have a full life in Jesus, it's that, a choice, and we are the ones who are blind. And that can be tough talk. Except for the fact that God has given us the ability through His Spirit, through His Son Jesus, for us to have full life. To have the full life. you got to have the vision for it. A few years ago, I had a mentor, and uh, I was in my, my early 20s, and I was struggling through a couple things, uh, not only my marriage, but just life and ministry, and, and I just couldn't see in front of me. I couldn't see the day in front of me, and I was getting really frustrated, and, and I had this mentor, and he's a very philosophical guy. You know those people in your life who are like, you know, that crazy uncle who says like crazy random things, but somehow the light bulb goes off in your head, you know, and, and he says, Carlos, do you see it? I'm like, dude, I don't see anything. I'm struggling. I don't see anything. He's like, no, 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 no. Do you see it? <laughs> and again, I'm really practical. I'm like, this, is, this mumbo jumbo is not going to work on me. I don't see it. Like, just tell me what you want me to know. And he says, he says, you got to see it before you see it or you'll never see it. <laughs> and I was like, Dude, the 60s were rough on you, man. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're smoking, you know, but I'm not talking to Jerry Garcia. Like, from, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, like, get a mentor here. And he's, he's like, no, you got to see it before you see it or you'll never see it. Can I tell you something happened as a 24-year-old? Something made sense. What do you mean? You got to see the thing before you ever see the thing or you'll never experience the thing. The leader of the largest country in the world uh, put out an, an article or a manifesto last year. Uh, so this is from Mark Zuckerberg. And uh, <laughs> he leads a nation with a few billion people, a few billion citizens that many of us, if not all of us, are citizens of. And he put out this manifesto last year that's grandiose. But how would you be if you knew that I don't know, roughly 28 to 30 percent of the world is engaged on your application. You know what his manifesto was about? It was about connecting the entire world and building communities. How does this man have a vision for the world and to connect people 
And yet we have the hope of the world and we can't see tomorrow. It's a challenge. I've been given the gift of life in Jesus, but am I living that life to the fullest? So what's the construct? What do we learn? What's the practical application for us? Let's write these down. Number one, we have to have an awareness that God is at work in every situation. Do we look at our current situation and say, okay, God, what can you do in this? I give it to you, God. I give it to you, and every day give it to God. Some pretty smart people in our church. A lot of us don't struggle with certain things that other people in the country struggle with. You have your education. We have this. We have that. But it doesn't mean we should not humble ourselves and say, God, how can you be glorified in this? Do we have an awareness that God wants to be glorified in every situation? I had a couple after the last service. They stopped me. And they said, we've been through, we have several kids. And almost every one of our kids has been through drug abuse. And having to walk through that. And we know, having walked through that over the last 25 years with our kids, we want to help other people with their story. How powerful is that? That they weren't ready to just be done with the story and never have to talk about it again. They had an awareness that, okay, God, you had us go through this. How can we help other people going through this? Do we have that awareness? Number two, do we have a willingness to be healed? Now, it sounds like a, like a dumb statement. Of course I'm willing to be healed. Of course I want the miracle. I want my business to grow, and I want this, and I want that. No, 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 no. What I mean by a willingness to be healed would be the blind man was willing to hear the Savior of the world, the light of the world, Hakalubi, spit it into the ground, make some mud, and put it on his eyes without asking questions. And then go down to the spring to wash it off. Are we willing to do what it takes for the miracle to take place and to be healed? A few years ago, I was talking to a couple, and uh, they were heartbroken. They had been out of work for a while, and it was a well-to-do couple, and, and uh, I knew they were really struggling. had a couple kids in college, and, and it was tough. It was a really tough situation. Finally, they came and met with me, and they said, Pastor Carlos, we just need to pray. Uh, we, just, we just need prayer. I said, yes, let's pray. And so... If you know me at all, and if you get to know me, I ask a lot of questions. I'm just kind of nosy that way. But I want to be specific if I'm going to pray. And so I said, okay, what is the bare minimum you need to make just to survive in the world? Just to make, just to make ends meet, and just to be able to know you're not going to be homeless. And uh, this couple looked at each other. Yeah, we've been talking about it. We think we need to make a quarter million a year to survive. I had the same reaction. Except as a pastor, it's not okay to hit anybody. So I didn't want to like, you know, wake up, you know. So I was just, I got nosier and I was like, hey, so I, listen, I, I don't mind. I know you have this boat and you've been out of work for a while. Why don't we just sell the boat and kind of put money aside? He's like, oh, I can't do that. My kids were raised on that boat. Oh, okay. So I know you have this lake house. It's a beautiful lake house. Market's great. Why don't we, why don't, have you thought about selling that? Oh, his wife said, can't do that. My kids were raised there. Wait, I thought they were raised on the boat. Oh, the boat. And, oh, I totally get it. No, I don't. But I totally get it. Hey, I, you have your kids off to college. You have this seven-bedroom house. It's beautiful. If you thought about maybe downsizing a little bit, and they're like, no, what'd they say? Our, our kids were raised there. And we went through a laundry list, and I looked at them, probably as a bad pastor, and I said, I can't pray for you. 
because you really don't want God to come through. You're looking for Santa Claus. And they left my office without praying. And came back about a month later. I didn't tell the rest of the story, the rest of the services. Came back a month later, and they said they had sold the boat, sold the house. And they started a new business, lost everything. This was about five years ago. And last year, I'm not saying this happens in every situation, but last year their business, he's built a business, and he left a company that was worth a couple of billion. In four years, he's built a company that's worth $4.5 billion. And he lost everything. Are you willing to go through the trenches for the miracle you say you want? For your kids, for yourself, for your marriage, for your business. Next thing. I got kind of heavy, I know. Right? But we should be asking ourselves these questions. We, I know we live on the east side of Seattle. And everybody worked hard to live here. But man, do you want the life everybody else has? Or do you want the full life God has for you and your family? Next one. Are we obedient and action-oriented in our faith? The man had to actually take the mud. Jesus didn't even offer to clean the mud. He said, no, go clean it yourself. Why? He wanted to see an obedience and action with his faith. What are we doing that's activating our faith? The next thing is this. He had a passion to share his story. Do we have a passion to share our story? When the blind man went back to his community, and they're like, are you the same guy? Aren't you the guy who was blind? Even though he didn't know Jesus, he shared the story of Jesus. And I know we live in an area where some people struggle because I've talked to some of you. You can't share your faith. It literally could cost you some of your jobs. I have a doctor, and he's told me, he's like, I can't share my faith or I will lose clients. The fact that they know I'm a Christian, I will lose patience. I get it. But I had to deal with that this last week. I, I got invited to speak to a local high school football team. And my wife got super nervous. She's like, you know, high school football has been in the news around the country, the state of Washington, for prayer and what does that look like. And they invited me knowing I was a pastor. My wife's like, are you taking your Bible? Are you, what are you going to do? I said, babe, chill out. It's going to be okay. I'm from Timberlake. No weird stuff. <laughs> so that's what I did. I didn't go and say, open your Bibles to Genesis 26, and we're going to talk about the lineage of Isaac. No. I said, hey, there's a story about this Jewish guy named Isaac, and I just told the story of him digging wells. Why? Because I have to be willing to activate my faith and to be passionate of the story. The next thing is this. We have to acknowledge our belief. Can we acknowledge that we believe? And I know some of us are working through that. Some of us are working through this journey called faith. But at some point, we're going to have to acknowledge it. Here's, here's a trend I've seen at Timberlake that doesn't bother me. And actually, I love what Pastor Ben and Terry have built here over the years. It's this availability for people to be comfortable wrestling through their faith here before they ever come to a conclusion. But here's what I've seen. When people give their lives to Christ... And then we go to baptisms like we will next week. Here's pretty normal. I gave my life to Christ three years ago. Now I'm ready to be baptized. I gave my life to Christ five years ago. I'm ready to be baptized. And there's a part I love about that because it means that as a church, we're giving you space to wrestle through your, your, your life in Christ. 
But can I tell you something? You don't have to wait five years to get baptized. You don't have to wait another week because next week we're doing it here. You could activate your faith. You could say, I believe right here. And let us celebrate with you and throw a party. Everybody's watching you. I don't know, practically it's weird. I'm going to wear a t-shirt, go into the water, and everybody can see me. That's weird. I know. But guess what? It's you telling your story and saying, I believe. And letting us as a community embrace you. Why? Because your story matters. And because your story matters, it's important for us to acknowledge that we believe in Christ. And the last thing is this. After the blind man acknowledged he believed in Christ, he worshipped. He worshipped the one that we and that he could fully see. Now I'm not going to do a whole diatribe on worship, but I am going to say this. When you come into worship, just whatever you do, standing, sitting, raising your hand, hands down, looking around, eyes up, whatever you do, Is it a true reflection of the work that God has done in us? When I first got saved, gave my life to Christ, and here I am going to church. I didn't want to worship because all the weirdos. Grew up in a Pentecostal church, people dancing, there's people raising their hands. They had a flag team. There's people running around with flags. And I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. And then I was posed the question, does the worship you bring to God reflect the work of God in you? So the next Sunday I'm like this. Okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try. Oh, everybody's looking at me. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody's looking at me. Yeah, the whole church turned around. There's a spotlight on me and everybody's wondering how I'm doing in worship. No. Nobody's looking. But there is a spotlight from heaven. As a son or a daughter What God can see is our act of worship, whether it's raising your hands or not, singing, not singing. Is the worship from the depth of your soul reflective of the work of God in you and in me? And the blind man, no relationship with Jesus, believed, and then they said he worshipped Jesus. See, when we fully see, we'll do things we wouldn't normally do when we're blind. Told you about the glasses for my kids. And we actually have a brother-in-law who, who uh, is colorblind. And early on, before he got married, I'd say, dude, why are you wearing that? Oh, I'm colorblind. Give me, give me some grace. You know, and it kind of became a joke for him. And, and I remember a few years ago, there was these, these glasses that came out for people who were colorblind. And I remember seeing those videos of people putting them on, seeing them for the very first time. And it made me think this week, how many of us are very much like a colorblind person where we can see the image of God, we can see the image of Jesus, but we're not living fully, the full life. We're not seeing fully, and we settled for a black and white image. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? I came so you could have life and live it to the fullest. I want you to watch this video with me. No. Too much stuff. 
my god, is this the real world? <laughs> is this actually what it looks like? not gonna lie, I saw that video and I kept pushing videos. <laughs> and I watched them over and over. And no matter the age, no matter the race, no matter the sex, most of the reactions were just like this. And I don't know what they were thinking. They didn't say most of the videos because most of the people are so overwhelmed with the emotion they can't really talk. But I can imagine it has to be something like, is this what I've been missing this entire time? I could have been seeing all of this. How many years have I lost? How much sleep have I lost? Or maybe they were just so in awe of what they saw. They were just overcome with the beauty of it all. And I'm wondering today if we would just be willing to humble ourselves and say, God, I need the full life. I'm willing to wear the glasses if need be. But I need you, Jesus, so that I can have life and have life to the fullest with full vision, full clarity. No more color blindness, no more less than the fullness of who Jesus is. And I believe that's God's desire for us today. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we close out our service? I know we don't normally do this, just feel like we should for this weekend. But every head bowed and every eye is closed. And if you were to just be honest and say, Pastor Cross, I needed that. Like, I, I'm just going through some stuff physically, emotionally, in our marriage, my business. Whatever it might be, nobody's going to know because you're going to be the only one. Just me and God seeing it. But if you'd say really quick, I needed this because I need to see fully. I need to see beyond my circumstance because I'm blind right now. Just raise your hand where you're at. Just really quick, really quick, just raise your hand. Say, man, I'm walking blind. I'm flying blind. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of us. A lot of us. Put your hand down. Thank you for being honest. And if you're in the room and you say, Carlos, listen, I, I'm kind of like the blind guy. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know who Jesus is except for what you say or other people say. But man, if that's the Jesus, that's the full description, yeah, that's the guy I'm interested in. That's the guy, the one who's for me, even though I'm not for him yet. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the one I'm willing to engage in. And if that's the Jesus of Timberlake Church, then maybe I should take my next step and just acknowledge that I believe in him. Even if you don't know what that means, it's okay. We're not making a commitment long-term to the church. You're making a commitment for yourself and to the one who came for you. And if that's you, whether you're watching online or you're right here in the room, if you'd say, that's the Jesus I need to acknowledge, I believe in today. Will you just look up at me really quick? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. If you're watching online, just look up at your screen. You know you're looking up. You can put your head down. Thank you so much. Wow. Wow. You don't even know what's about to happen in your life, and it's going to be amazing. And you're going to look up one day, and you're going to see him full color. And your life's going to be different. God, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for those who today for the first time are saying, we're acknowledging we need you. 
Help us as a church to help them with their next right step. God, let them not wait for baptism. Let them just jump in and, and give their lives to you and just and allow us to help them not to be part of something crazy, but to be fully who they are in you. And for my friends who raise their hands today saying they're struggling and they need clear vision, full vision for what they're facing, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come today and enlighten them that you are at work in their situation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that a great message today? Can we thank Pastor Carlo? And uh, one thing I know, if you hang around Carlos, uh, one of the things you'll know about him is he, he'll be like, okay, I'm glad you liked the message. Now what are you going to do? And so I think that for all of us to really uh, uh, honor what we've heard but also honor God is to just say, okay, God, what's that next step you have for me? Pastor Carlos talked to us uh, about baptism. If you've never... Uh, been baptized uh, since you believed. Some of you were baptized as a child. That's about your parents' faith. But if you say, since I've responded to Jesus, I have not been baptized, we encourage you to do that next weekend. going to be a big party. You, you don't have to say anything, do anything, give anything. This is really just about you taking your next right step in Jesus Christ. And we want to celebrate with you. Um, it, it's so cool to see what God is doing around here, and as I just get to talk to you about what God is doing in your life as well. Well, uh, we're going to hear a little bit about baptism as we receive our offering in a moment. And uh, by the way, thank you for those of you who invest in God's work here uh, at Timberlake Church. Uh, we believe it's one of those things we, we get to do, not it's, uh, you know, you have to do that. One of the uh, strange things of our area is that some of you work for companies where you're able to do corporate matching. Now, we can only use those funds for certain things, but many of you know that we built, own, and operate an orphanage with about 80 kids in Haiti. We're able to use it for that. Our homeless ministry with Acres of Diamonds undergoing really a multi-million dollar expansion. Uh, and then uh, just other needs uh, in the community. And so uh, if you'll take a look at this, if you uh, want to look at corporate matching, there's, I know this is a time when you sign up uh, for that. And just a, got a good opportunity uh, to, to expand the giving that you're already, uh, already doing. Well, we talked a, little, a lot about a lot of things and a little bit about baptism. want to just have you see sort of what that experience is like. Uh, and please do not miss next weekend. Uh, we're going to be in a new series. Uh, it's on First Peter. It's called When All Blank Breaks Loose. And uh, it is, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I think a good one to invite a friend to as well. Well, thank you for giving. Thank you for responding to Jesus. For those of you who said, hey, I need help. If you need more help, let us know. Uh, we're your church family. And uh, I, I mean that. And those of you who say, hey, you know, I just decided to take that step to follow Jesus, let us uh, celebrate with you as well. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.